So we did something kind of crazy, which is we actually built a full-blown HTML parser in JavaScript. So the same HTML parser that a browser has to read an HTML and turn it into the DOM, we re-implemented ourselves in JavaScript. And that actually turned out to be a hugely powerful thing. Date, June 2015. Episode 120 with Tom Dale, JavaScript developer, co-founder of Tilda and Ember.js core member. Tom is going to talk about web components, Ember components, HTML bars, the Glimmer engine, and HTML parsing. This episode is sponsored by the lovely people at Code School and Media Temple. From a beginner perspective, can you talk about web components and Ember components? So the idea behind web components is, is a pretty simple one. But maybe even before we talk about that, we should talk about something that we call the extensible web. So if you Google for extensible web manifesto, this is uh, basically a document that had a bunch of signatories from uh, the JavaScript implementers, like people implementing JavaScript frameworks, all the way up to browser vendors. And this was basically a document that describes how standards bodies should prioritize new features. And the idea behind it is, rather than building big, high-level declarative new APIs that are all singing and all dancing, have nice APIs, all these things, and they're designed for the everyday developer to use. Those take forever to design and build. They go through a standards process where there is designed by committee, and oftentimes by the time they come out at the other end, years have been wasted, and it's a feature that's impossible to use anyway. App cache is the obvious example of this. App cache took years and years and years to give applications some kind of offline capability, and it's so broken that barely anyone can ever use it, right? So that was a huge waste of, of resources. So the idea of the extensible web manifesto is the browser vendors and the standards bodies focus instead on exposing the bare minimum building blocks, the what we call the primitives. They expose capabilities into the browser, like being able to access audio, being able to access video, being able to intercept requests for images so you can build your own offline cache, right? Basically, all of the plumbing that the browser has internally, finding a secure way to expose that to the browser, and then the libraries can build on top of that, and the library ecosystem, the framework ecosystem, can iterate on the nice APIs. So where does that lead us with web components? Well, a principle that falls out of the Expensable Web Manifesto is that a good new standard should help explain the existing platform, right? If there's a feature in the browser, it should be implementable purely in JavaScript. And if you think about HTML elements, there are a ton of HTML elements built into the browser. There's you know input tags, there's image tags, there's p tags, there's h1 tags. There's all these different tags, but they're all decided on by a standards body. So if you need a custom element that does something specific for your app, well, you're kind of out of luck, right? What you do is you create a div and you add some class and then you add some behavior using jQuery or Ember. So web components are very simple. All the web components do is it says, all of these elements that we have built in the browser, we are going to create an API for ended developers to do the same thing. And a component is just an HTML element where you can describe its visual appearance using HTML and you can describe its behavior using JavaScript. And that's really it. And, and the hope of web components is that it doesn't matter whether you're using Angular, or React, Ember, Backbone, you'll be able to use a component that was authored, a web component that was authored for any of these things. You can just drop it into your app 
And so it helps increase sharing across all these different frameworks. Now, that, that vision isn't quite there today. Web components are not implemented in every browser. Um, but we really like the idea of having these reusable components that you can use. So we've, we've adopted the idea in Ember. So we, Ember has a notion of a component, which again, is just a custom HTML element where you define, in Ember, you define its appearance using a, a handlebars template, and you describe its behavior using JavaScript. And we've designed the API, we've worked closely with the standards authors, with the standards bodies, such that once the spec is in more places, we'll actually be able to take an Ember component that you build and compile it down into a web component that can be shared. Does this fall maybe on a meta level under the philosophy of dry? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say it's, it's it definitely uh, falls into that category because if you look at the way that many people build UIs in Rails, for example, you know, in order to build this component, you'll need a div and then inside of the div, you have like an input tag and then you have a label and that set of, you know, four or five elements you repeat over and over and over again. Well, what if you could pull that out and you could have just a single element that, that encapsulates all of those things? Hey, Between Screen listeners, this is John Friscus from Code School here to say hello. If you're not familiar with us, CodeSchool is an online learning destination for existing and aspiring developers that teaches through entertaining content. With experienced instructors and high-quality courses, over a million people have trusted CodeSchool to teach the most popular development languages by turning learning into a game-like experience. So check us out at CodeSchool.com and start learning by doing. For years, Mintetempo Script Service has been the web hosting choice of more designers, developers, and creative professionals than any other platform. A single grid account can host anything from your portfolio site to 100 different client projects, and the grid is ready for anything. Hundreds of servers work together in the cloud to keep your sites online, even if you suddenly hit the front page of Reddit. Also check out their new WordPress hosting product, as well as their launching of Google Apps for Work. Virtual private server solutions are also available with their DV and DB developer hosting plans. You can use the promo code SCREEN25 for 25% off web hosting. Go to mediatemple.net and enter your promo code upon sign-up. Thanks for listening. Your business partner and friend Yehuda Katz was very influential in pushing web components, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Yehuda is a machine. He's influential in <laughs> basically everything involving web standards. Yeah, he he actually just returned from uh, from Paris. He was at a, a TC39 meeting, and TC39 is the uh, technical committee that designs the next version of, of JavaScript. And that's really great for us because we get to work closely in that venue with browser vendors. So we have a very a, a very good insight into what's coming down the pipeline in the web platform for the next five years, let's say. And so we always take that information that Yehuda brings back from TC39, and we think very deeply about how we're going to design APIs and frameworks that are going to continue tracking the course of the web rather than trying to diverge and making it into something it's not. What are HTML bars, and why is it called the future of templating? So HTML bars is actually kind of a code name for a bunch of different improvements to the uh, Ember rendering layer. And uh, just at a, at a high level, the way that the Ember rendering engine used to work, and in fact, the way that basically every templating language for the web works and continues to work, is they rely on the browser's inner HTML API. 
So you, you take a template, you compile it down, and when you evaluate that template, what it's doing is it's building up a string of HTML. So you build this massive string, you know, like the HTML that represents a sophisticated Ember application or a sophisticated web application is, you know, several hundred K probably of, of HTML. And you take that big string and you dump it into the browser. And the browser, of course, has an HTML parser. And so the browser takes that big blob of HTML and it turns it into DOM elements. And that's that's great. That served us very well. And in fact, that approach was critical back in like 2008, 2009, because in Internet Explorer, any APIs for doing manual DOM manipulation yourself were extremely slow, extremely slow. However, if you used the browser's built-in HTML parsing from JavaScript, I mean, it wasn't fast, but at the time, <laughs> at the time, it was relatively fast, right? But there's been a shift towards in in the browser space to giving JavaScript authors better control over the DOM, and and most importantly, the DOM access just isn't slow anymore. Is it also more semantic? Um, I don't know that it makes it more semantic. I mean, it, you're you're really representing the same structure, right? So, at the end of the day, the the abstraction that the browser uses to show UI is is the DOM. There's like a tree of DOM elements and or of DOM nodes. And you can build that tree by passing in serialized HTML, or you can manually call DOM APIs in your JavaScript. But at the end of the day, they're still building the same structure. It's just how you get there. But I, I think the most important thing is that if you have a, a string of HTML, which is what you have in a template, right? A template is basically a superset of, of HTML. The question is, how do you turn that HTML into DOM? And usually the answer has been, you just rely on the browser's HTML parser. But that's kind of annoying. There's more checking that you want to do in an application environment. For example, if you forget to close a tag, in your development environment really wants to tell you, hey, you didn't close a tag. So we did something kind of crazy, which is we actually built a full-blown HTML parser in JavaScript. So the same HTML parser that a browser has to read in HTML and turn it into the DOM, we re-implemented ourselves in JavaScript. And that actually turned out to be a hugely powerful thing. Because once you have an HTML parser, you can build something that's not only faster, it has a much deeper understanding of what you're trying to express in your templates. And we can detect things like, oh, hey, it looks like you forgot to close this tag. You know, remember that the browser is trying to be as resilient as possible to bad input. But if you're a developer, that's actually a bad thing, right? If you're writing malformed HTML, you really want to know that ahead of time. And I have to say, when I upgraded our app to using HTML bars, it actually caught six different malformed HTML cases where I had personally written just bad HTML. And it was it actually caused bugs. I just didn't hadn't detected them. It caught bugs that I didn't even know were there. So that's hugely powerful. And, and there's another uh, aspect of this, which is once you are able to create the DOM, you also have much more fine-grained control over how you update it. And so this is actually part of the work that we are doing. Um, we have a, a brand new rendering engine in Ember called Glimmer. And this is something we announced at EmberConf. If you're interested, it sounds cool. You should definitely check out our EmberConf keynote, uh, the one that Yuda and I gave. But Glimmer is huge because what Glimmer does is it reuses DOM elements. It keeps them stable. And this ends up being a huge performance improvement. It also, it, before, if a section of your template changed, Ember would take away the old section, re-render a new section, and put it in. If this template was relatively big, that's a lot of work that the DOM would have to do, or that the browser would have to do. 
But in Glimmer, we, we were influenced by the diffing approach that React took with their virtual DOM, which basically says between renders, even if a big chunk changed, you only need to, you basically need to go through that and only apply the actual changes, not the theoretical ones. And so that led to a dramatic improvement in, in performance, but also just usability. So if you're hovering over elements, we actually gave a demo of this in our talk. It's a little bit difficult to explain verbally. But as you hover over elements, even though the data underneath is rapidly changing, hover effects just work buttery smooth. So this is a this is a huge improvement. So Glimmer is our brand new rendering engine built on top of HTML bars. It uses uh, an approach similar to React's virtual DOM to deliver similar levels of just quite, quite good performance. Um, so are HTML bars like the natural evolution of handlebars? I think the way to think about HTML bars is it's the first templating engine built specifically for Ember. So previously, when Yehuda wrote handlebars, it was before Ember existed. So he was just building a flexible templating library. But it's been four or five years since we've released Ember, and we've learned a lot in that time. So Glimmer was our way of, or HTML bars was our way of really taking a step back and thinking, what do we need out of a templating library that will deliver the best rendering results for Ember?